Welcome to Fearless with Mark and Amber, the intersection of faith, family, and filmmaking. Today on the show, we're covering chapter six of the upcoming companion book to our documentary film, Inwood Drive. As the saying goes, those who fail to learn from history are condemned to repeat it. Stay tuned as we explore the Webster Street protests. In 2017, we formed a nonprofit filmmaking ministry, Fearless Features. We began producing short films for the online space, telling stories of people's personal journeys to faith in Christ. A year later, in 2018, we felt called to tell the true story of how grassroots efforts took down one of the nation's most prolific abortionists. Having finished what we thought was the final version of that story in 2019, the abortionist Ulrich Klopfer died and his family soon discovered his horrifying collection of 2,411 preserved fetal remains. We completed our journey of telling this grassroots story in 2020, and our investigative documentary, Inwood Drive, was released. It has been lauded by Glenn Beck, Live Action, The Christian Post, and others for its boldness and unapologetic truthfulness in revealing the battles that take place in the fight to preserve the lives of of the innocent unborn and protection of their mothers. Welcome back, friends. If you are new to the show, welcome. We're glad you're here. The Lord has led us on an incredible journey so far with our ministry, and we're just getting started. We went from short films to long-form documentary films, now author and speakers, and here we are to capture it all on the podcast. (laughs) There are a few other exciting things in the works, but one thing at a time, right? One thing at a time. One thing at a time. Here we are, once again. (laughs) So I'm your co-host, Amber Archer. And I'm the other co-host, Mark Archer. Welcome to Fearless. Welcome to Fearless. Proudly free of Rona. (laughs) Right. (laughs) (laughs) We're sending our kids back to school soon. Yes. And I'm very excited. We've been going through the checklists of things that we're going to have to deal with. The reopening. To deal with Rona. Yeah. Who is it that calls it Rona? Heidi St. Heidi St. John. It's hysterical. <laughs> Dealing with Rona. <laughs> so, yes. <clears throat> chapter. Chapter six. Chapter so six. I read I read chapter six um, just yesterday and I really stopped and I paused and I was looking at what was happening at the Webster Street protests in light of the, the looting and the rioting and the protesting that's going on today. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's all just happening under a different guise of social justice and social issues. You know, and it's so polarizing, especially abortion is very polarizing and politicized in today's culture. But you see people on both sides of any issue and everyone thinks that their position or stance is right. And it, and it goes back to personal belief and convictions. So you ask yourself, who's right? Right. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know me, I've got a verse. <laughs> <laughs> I always have a verse. But the one that immediately came to mind when I stopped and I paused, it was about the gates. Oh, my goodness. So Matthew um, 7, verse 13, enter through the narrow gate for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction and many enter through it. But small the gate and narrow the road that leads to life. And only a few find it. So clearly, clearly from the text, there is a right way and a wrong way to live a life eternally with God. 
and he says only a few find it. Now, this doesn't mean that it's difficult to become a Christian, but that there is only one way to live eternally with God, and that by believing that Jesus alone died for our sins and made us right before God. So this living this way may not be popular, but it's true and right. And, and thank God that there's only one way. Mm-hmm. So here we are. There are protests, and, and we'll get to some of the um, uh, Linda, who we interviewed. And I think when we sat down and we interviewed her, I had my own questions of, is what you're doing right? I mean, I know that the, what the abortion is doing, abortionist is doing is wrong, but their approach of, you know, protesting and mm-hmm. battling this beast of abortion, is that right? And in addition to that, not only is it right, but is it effective? Right. Because they don't, you don't see that really so much anymore. No, and it was interesting how you'd put it and why that kind of stopped, you know, their mm-hmm. approach. So why don't, why don't you tell people about the approach and sort of what we're talking about? Yeah, so when we, you mentioned Linda Zimmerman, who was a part of our cast, mm-hmm. basically, for Inwood Drive. And Linda was a sidewalk counselor. Mm-hmm. And so this was back uh, in the in the 80s and 90s at the original clinic that Klopfer worked at um, and then later bought, it was downtown and it was on a street called Webster street. Mm -hmm. And what made the Webster street story so interesting from a, just from a storytelling standpoint is because of how it was situated, the neighborhood that it was in, it was sitting on this two lane city street and right across the street, literally right across the street, is First Presbyterian Church. Mm-hmm. And that's really a, a, a profound part of the story of Inwood Drive. because, And that's why we wanted to, to talk about it and talk about you know a whole chapter of the book on it. Because Webster Street is really where, where it, was, it was crazy mm-hmm. for years. Mm-hmm. Um, it, not only crazy from the standpoint of uh, the close proximity to the church, but the fact that the that church, First Presbyterian Church, is pro-abortion. Mm-hmm. I I was completely shocked yeah. when when we interviewed Linda, and one of the first things that she said was there was a uh, a female. What what do you call them? A member of the clergy. A member of the clergy. A, yeah. a female member. A clergy member who was actually participating in escorting women to the abortion clinic. I right. mean, I, I remember us stopping and pausing because I was like, what did you just say? Yeah. Like, I, I could never even fathom that someone from the church would be a lot, you know, not only, you know, sheltering these people, um, the, the abortionists, mm-hmm. um, but also helping take women in to kill their baby. I, I just... Yeah. So I have a I have a clip a couple of clips of Linda. She's joining us virtually here. Yeah. <laughs> clips from the film I want to play. So mm-hmm. let's listen to the first clip Linda talking about just that very mm-hmm. thing. They had a, a female pastor there that was actually um, became an escort for the abortion clinic. An escort um, is a group of women that wore bibs that actually said escort across, and as soon as they would. Uh, identify a woman approaching the clinic, they would surround her 
and uh, not allow the sidewalk counselors to have any contact with the client at all. One of the escorts corralled all of the women that were had appointments inside their church so that the sidewalk counselors did not have access to them. And as soon as they had us all arrested and hauled off to jail, they brought them all over as a group into the abortion clinic. So, yeah, that was disturbing to say the least. Let me just let me just give some some additional evidence here for those that don't believe, because when I first started talking about this, when after we had talked with Linda <laughs> and it's really it, kind of shocking, like it, 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 when you first hear it, it's right. like, what? <laughs> and one of the things you have to understand is in the denomination world, there are various versions of Presbyterians. There are various versions of Baptists. Mm -hmm. And so this particular uh, denomination of the Presbyterian church uh, is under Presbyterian Church USA. Mm -hmm. So PCUSA. Uh, let me just read an excerpt here. The, the Presbyterian Church USA, or PCUSA, denomination officially took a pro-abortion stance in 1970 with the following statement from their General Assembly, and I am quoting. From their website. From their website. The artificial or induced termination of a pregnancy is a matter of careful ethical decision of the patient and therefore should not be restricted by law. And for those of you who want to look it up, that's from the minutes of the 182nd General Assembly, 1970, United Presbyterian Church in the USA, page 891. Mm -hmm. uh, that was shocking to me. I, I I knew that there were that there were stray congregations that were very liberal, but to right. know that not only that it was that church that was in that vicinity, I mean, literally right across the street, but then add to that that they're their clergy, a, a woman pastor from that church, escorting women into the clinic. Mm -hmm. And and you see those, you get a real vivid picture of that in the movie because, you know, those scenes are shown with the escorts. You know, it, it's something, because we don't deal with it and we don't see it today to actually look at history and, and how all of that interaction happened is really, it's really kind of mind blowing. And mm -hmm. then when we get to like the operation rescue right. and how they, how they um, did their protests, like <laughs> we don't, we don't see those today. Like we don't have those here anymore in Fort Wayne. So, right. you know, it's interesting because I wonder how many places is there somewhere still that it happens? I'm sure. Yeah. I don't know. I know when we, you know, when we were researching the film and of course we've talked about that the first person that we started with was Kathy Humberger mm -hmm. and Kathy really was the one who connected us with everyone else that we talked to eventually right. other than George Klopfer. Mm -hmm. Um, and when she recommended that we talk to Linda and, uh, I remember talking to Linda and, and just as a reminder, there's a lot of people that were involved in this. I mean, thousands of people that were involved in this down on Webster Street, and most of them didn't want to talk to me. Oh yeah, we got shut shut down immediately. Shut down, and and when you understand, I I give them a pass to a point because there were people who were literally brought to financial ruin by their actions down there. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> they were sued personally. 
by George Klopfer and by the then owner of the clinic who we'll talk about in a minute. And, and they were just rightly scared. They Mm -hmm. didn't want anything to do with it. They don't trust anybody who's Mm -hmm. coming in. So I mentioned that because the stories that we, that we, uh, were able to gather that we were able to gather were extraordinary. I know that there are more. Mm -hmm. Linda told us so much more than could be even fit into the book. Mm -hmm. Um, But Linda was a treasure trove of information and she had a lot of video. Mm -hmm. A lot of documentation. A lot of documentation. And the reason that all this existed, what we found was there wasn't anything that we could find from uh, from Inwood. Mm -hmm. There weren't any videos taken on Inwood Drive. I couldn't couldn't find any. Mm There was a lot from Webster Street, and the reason was because there were so many legal conflicts down there. Both sides had people with cameras all the time to document in case it went to court. Boy, doesn't that sound like today. Right. Like everybody's got a camera, and that's what everybody wants to do. You know, so things don't change. I mean, I think that was Mm -hmm. a thing when when I stopped to think about what's happening in today's world and society and culture and looking at history... Mm-hmm. How much of it is very, it, it, it's, it's the same. What have, what have we learned is, is I think the question that I keep asking myself. Yeah. Uh, in a lot of cases, we haven't learned very much. <laughs> um, Linda, when she brought over, she probably brought at least 20 tapes and these were old VHS tapes and some, some her husband had managed to transfer over to DVD for us and a lot were still on there were VHS tapes. There were some high eight tapes for those of you, who are, <laughs> yes. you know, from the eighties. Good luck trying to find a player for that. <laughs> yeah. It's tricky to, it's tricky to find, you know, ways to convert stuff like that. Um, but that she still had it and she handed it to, and I remember we, we went and we met her mm-hmm. at the magic wand. Yeah. In Cherubusco. <laughs> in Cherubusco. That was like the halfway point. Yeah. And I talked to her and then we went out to our cars and she handed me this, you know, huge box of tapes. And she said, uh, she said, you know, I don't know why I've kept these all these years. And I just looked at her. I said, Linda, you've kept these for this day. Yep. I said, I promise you these will, these will live on. Yeah. And so spent a lot of time transferring those. And then of course I have no idea what's on them. So you're just watching hours and hours and hours and hours and hours of, mm-hmm. of nothing. Um, and then there's quite a bit, uh, there were, there were a few specific dates through the years where there was massive conflict oh, yeah. going on. Down and you there. see it's, that in the film and you see that in the film. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the characters that shows up in this, and I call her a, a character because she's just, she's, uh, how do I describe Susan Hill? Mm-hmm. Um, so the, you remember a week or two ago when we were talking about Gail and Roman yeah. and that she died as a result of complications going to that clinic mm-hmm. in 1979. Well, the woman who owned the clinic, who eventually sold it to George Klopfer, the woman who, who basically started the clinic was a woman named Susan Hill. Uh, Susan Hill was known for suing protesters. She boasted of 34 state and federal lawsuits against pro-life groups and individuals over the course of her professional life as a clinic owner, ruthlessly ruining the lives and fortunes of many while she raked in the cash. So brutal were her lawsuits, and the lawsuits subsequently brought by Klopfer himself, 
that many pro-life sidewalk counselors and protesters to this day would not even talk with us by phone for fear of being exposed to legal action again. So vicious were these attacks from the abortionists that many of the most important stories from the Webster Street years will likely never be preserved because they will never be told. Mm-hmm. Um, Susan Hill, and she was one of the, and, and she's deceased now. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was one of the most prolific abortion clinic owners, owners. ever. Mm-hmm. And so she was, you know, an early adopter of this and put them all over. So speaking of, uh, speaking of interactions with people in front of the clinic, the, the clinic on Webster Street, mm-hmm. Linda had quite an, an amazing story about Klopfer himself mm-hmm. um, that you just have to hear to believe. One day I was uh, very close to the alley where he had to walk across in front of me. And I had a, um, it was a scrapbook, a picture, an eight by 10 picture of a girl, little baby that had been saved there at the clinic. And I said, hey, Dr. Klopfer, here's a picture of one you didn't get to kill. And I knew that would upset him, but I wanted to say, I wanted him to look and see what he had actually almost killed. I said, this is one you didn't get to kill. And he walked up to me and he put his finger in my face and he said, that's all it's all about, it's about choice. And he walked a halfway across the street. I turned my head away from him, and all at once I hear a slap. And I didn't know till I heard the slap when I turned around. Dr. Clawford had walked back towards me, but there was a man standing right beside me, dressed very nicely. It looked like he could have been an attorney, uh, but he was just a friend of, of uh, um, our sidewalk counselors and prayer warrior. And Dr. Clawford had walked up and slapped him hard enough that it left a handprint on his face. And he hadn't said one word to Dr. Clawford. I think he was angry at me and came over and thought, I can't hit her, so I hit. And I don't know whether he thought the guy next to me was my husband. Maybe maybe that would have been almost as good, you know, hit the guy, hit the guy she's married to, and it, it wasn't. My husband wasn't down there that day, but just his friend. And um, he actually went to the, there was a police officer there, and he tried to get the police officer to arrest him. And the police officer wouldn't do it. There were a lot of witnesses that saw what had happened. I didn't actually see it because I turned my head. I heard it. And the police officer wouldn't, wouldn't arrest him. So... Um, he went down to the prosecuting attorney's office and um, filled out a complaint, and he went through the process of filing a suit against him. And I could almost cried when I found out he settled out of court for $100. <laughs> I thought, oh, shoot. So here's a question. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so if you were in that situation and... Klopfer hit you. What would you do? Do you think? You think you would you would hit him back? I mean, I think <laughs> you're, you're, I, I think I would have attacked him. <laughs> <laughs> I put up with a lot in my life. I probably would have hit him. <laughs> I mean, I know two wrongs don't make a right, but in my flesh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
I don't. It, it's it's a, such a. It's an amazing. It's such a bizarre. I mean, just when you're, especially if you're the guy who's down there, mm-hmm. and you're just praying, and suddenly you're you're assaulted by the abortionist mm-hmm. himself. I mean, what do you do? I mean, shock is the first thing I think. Yeah. Well, and it just it reveals the the character of who they were dealing with down there. I mean, mm-hmm. the the man that we interviewed just a few years before his death. I mean, it was less than. Maybe what a year and a half before yeah. he died was not somebody that I would have thought would be that violent. Although I had seen I'd seen clips of him oh, yeah. know, screaming at of- people, mm-hmm. but to hear that story, it's obviously a younger George. Yeah, but um, you know, and isn't it interesting how that's the kinds of things that the that the pro-abortion leftists always accuse the pro-lifers of. Of being violent. Right. Right. Yet it's the abortion doctor himself who makes a point of walking over and trying to slap. I don't know if he was trying to hit Linda or not. She, you know, we don't know. We'll never know. But I think it's such, it's so, uh, so interesting to note that, you know, she was showing him a picture of a beautiful baby and saying, you didn't get to kill this one. And, it was His, more like just revenue lost. Right. Like that's all, that's all he saw. Mm-hmm. And, and, but his, you know, his answer, that's right. It's all about choice. Stop there. The mm-hmm. choice to do it, to kill the baby. Mm-hmm. Like he, he couldn't even see it for what it really he, was. He couldn't even so acknowledge blinded. it. You yeah. know, it's so sad. Yeah. Really, really twisted man. Um, so we had, we, as we both sat and watched all of this, this footage from Webster street, we had a, a, many discussions about whether or not we would get involved in something like that. Yeah. That was a really Picketing. hard, I, I mean, viewing a lot of that footage from downtown and seeing how they went about protesting and, mm-hmm. and trying to get their point across. Um, I, while I understand, I, I get why they were doing it yet. I don't, I'm not sure personally i i would have been able to and and i know that a lot been able to go down there and sit and Mm -hmm. be ready to be hauled off to jail you know there's other ways to do it i mean Mm -hmm. when we look at inwood drive it's all about it's the legal system it's you know when i look at it i think it's the right way to get things done Mm -hmm. (laughs) so i'm i i I don't want to you know say that what they did was wrong i understand their passion for it but just realize the effectiveness, really, um, mm-hmm. of what you're doing. Is it working? You know, and, and that yeah. was my question. I remember asking Linda, you know, whose ideas were these to do this? Yeah, that was really the question, I think, from the start. What, what led to us even, uh, even investigating what became Inwood Drive was we both wanted to know, well, what are they doing when they're down there on Inwood picketing? Tell me why. It's like, tell me why. Tell me why you do, like, Mm -hmm. what does this do? Mm -hmm. And it wasn't, it wasn't critical. It was really asking the question. I see you doing this. I want to know what does this accomplish? Does this do something? I don't understand. Mm -hmm. And that was a big part of our discussion with Linda in Mm -hmm. the film. And I felt it was important to show that. Yeah. To, because there's there's the people who would stand and pray, mm-hmm. and then there's the people who would stand and pray and hold signs. Mm-hmm. Then there were the sidewalk counselors, mm-hmm. 
who would try to intercept the women and talk to them. And those all I understand. Mm -hmm. But then when you see the footage of them actually sitting down and physically blocking the entrance, and that was something we both went, wow. Wow, what a, okay. Yeah, it's quite a scene. This I mean, it's is, really fascinating to see it and and it's in it's in the movie yeah. so you can see it for yourself, but I mean, it, it is a fascinating thing because we don't see that today. Right. Well, you 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 still see it. I mean, we've seen we see the destructive version of it. Right. Happening in the current events, but in it, that's the interesting thing is that there there was nothing violent about what they were doing. They mm-hmm. were sitting down and blocking the entrance. And we did ask her about that. Um, so we've got one more clip of Linda here talking specifically about what they were doing with uh, the sit-ins, basically. Okay, Operation Rescue is not a demonstration. Uh, Operation Rescue is a rescue to save the lives of the babies and save women from abortion. It's like, um, you know, civil law says you can't go trespass into somebody's yard to use their swimming pool. But if you see a child drowning in a swimming pool, you're going to trespass to get to it. Okay. So that was kind of the basis of Operation Rescue. A baby was dying, so uh, we're going to do what we can to save that baby. So we would sit down in front of the abortion clinic doors, keep it closed, and that was just part of it. We had sidewalk counselors on the perimeter watching for girls, women approach to come in for their appointments. And uh, sometimes those those clients, um, there were babies saved that way. And while we kept down, while we kept the abortion clinic shut, they couldn't get in. So I think she made a good point. I, I so loved her analogy and Mm -hmm. the way that she put it. I mean, there were so many things. Linda has so many years of fighting for the unborn and and mothers, saving mothers from abortion, um, from the abortion procedure. But the way she put it, I totally, it totally resonated with me. Mm -hmm. I understood exactly what she was saying. When, when we talk about why are you doing it? That answered my question. I see your point. Mm -hmm. I, I, I get what you're saying. Yeah, but it wasn't without a price. I mean, she said that she, in in those years, was arrested 18, maybe 19 times. Right. And, you know, that's, and obviously you're not going to, you're not going to get a bunch of people to come out for that and say, okay, are you ready to go to jail? <laughs> right. Are you ready to have a criminal record? <laughs> right. Because that's, you know. that is going to be the result. Yeah. Because from a legal, from a legal standpoint, you are... You are obstructing entry. You know, it's it's trespassing. It's you know they're they're disrupting the business, and that's where a lot of the lawsuits stemmed from. Because mm-hmm. every one of them that was physically blocking the entrance, they were denying the the business to this establishment. Right. Well, as believers, we look at that, and I totally understand. In fact, the 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 verse comes to mind, rescue those being led to slaughter. Mm-hmm. I think it's in Proverbs. Um, and I, when you look at it from the standpoint of a believer, we know exactly what's about to happen. Mm-hmm. The only difference is you, you don't see mothers holding a newborn baby and going in to, you know, to have it, 
you know, cut up into pieces and offered as a sacrifice to Baal or something. Right. No, it's much more subtle than that. They, they go in and have it, you know, scraped out mm-hmm. or suctioned out. So, but it's the same thing. So from that viewpoint and when she, when she gave that illustration of seeing a child drowning in a swimming pool, I totally, I totally understood mm-hmm. it. Um, but it is still something that, and I think, I think basically what happened with Operation Rescue, I know they're still around, but that approach really, I think, wore thin after a while. And there were a lot of other things to, they were, they were infiltrated by some radicals. There were. Well, yeah. Uh, and you, you mentioned that here in, in chapter six. Um, I remember reading that because that's when uh, the, the radicals started mm-hmm. Shooting at and even killing some of the abortion doctors. So, and even though it didn't have anything to do with Operation Rescue, the media, of course, lumped them all together and said, "See how these crazy right right wing Christians are." Well, and you see this, and you see the same thing happening today. Mm -hmm. I mean, people who are trying to peacefully protest, and then you get the looting and the rioting, and those who you know, it it goes both ways. I mean, it's it happens, it happens all around. Yeah. So the end of the chapter, I ha- I just, I, I had to bring it full circle because I, and I, I, I wanted to be careful with this because I don't want people to think that I'm critical of uh, the city moving forward um, and what, because people who aren't familiar with um, Fort Wayne, they may say, you know, well, what's, is the clinic still there? Mm-hmm. And it's not. Uh, in fact, after Klopfer moved the clinic out to Inwood, that whole block was basically taken over and demolished to put up new businesses. And I had to, I had to mention that because I had, when we, when we filmed with Linda and then I, I asked her if we could go down, uh, to where the clinic had been. And, um, I tried to film some things down there with her, but there was a lot of noise and we didn't really get anything good, but Linda stood there and she, she looked across the street and she pointed out where everything was. Mm -hmm. And we looked at what is there now. And I just thought it was, um, very surreal that this is a, this location where so many children lost their lives and we don't remember. And if it weren't, preserved in the book because it's we don't talk about it in the film but if it weren't for the fact that it's preserved in memory and preserved in the book nobody would know right so and i don't say that to try to ruin the business of anyone Mm -hmm. they didn't know that when they went in um what are you going to do leave it you know leave it there as a dilapidated structure i think it's good that we move on and we put something new there Mm mm-hmm but I think it's important to remember mm-hmm. that that's what happened. So that's, that's There's that chapter, chapter six, yeah. the Webster street protests. Well, thank you guys for joining us today. Be sure to hit that subscribe button and leave us a review. We'd love to hear from you. This podcast and ministry is 100% donor funded. And if you'd like to partner with us and help us grow this outreach, visit fearlessfeatures.org forward slash give and to learn more about our documentary film visit inwooddrivemovie.com as always have a blessed day and live your life filled with the spirits